The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Hello and welcome to the Cloister Bell Podcast. Today we'll be discussing two Big Finish audio adventures, but before then, let's hear from my co-host Rob. Say hello, Rob. Uh, hi, Liam. <laughs> you alright? Yeah, it's all good. You? Yeah, good. I've just got two uh, cans of ale here. I'm just wondering which to pick. What are they called? Luna Lager or Stateside IPA. Hmm. Luna Lager sounds nice. Yeah, it's got pictures of like rockets and aliens and robots I'll go with that and what does the other one look like like it's, it's got like a big eagle like sat on a barrel hmm yeah I think uh, I think if if it were me I think the uh, the the, uh, the rockets and the, the moon and all that would win out yeah we'll give it a go yeah how you doing yeah not too bad I have water um wow. <laughs> Although, uh, just to annoy some of our listeners, although I think it will please you, Rob, is earlier on, I had a really nice cup of tea and a cookie. And guess what I did with a cookie? You dunked it? <laughs> yes, I dunked it. Did you Now, did you dunk it on an angle or just straight in? No, no, straight in. Yeah. Did it come back out? Yes, just, it was fine. That's good. And, you know, it's always a worry when you lift it up and there's nothing there. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's that... <laughs> I mean that last half just gone. Oh shit! Um, yeah, we'll find that later. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to quickly. Where's the spoon? See if you can fit, oh my God. fish it out. We just go. Oh no! Oh. When I get to the bottom of the cup of tea, it's just going to be this horrible gloop of matter. <laughs> Thankfully, mm. that's rather rare, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was considering giving up, Duncan, but no, there's nothing. No, it's only with uh, with so, some recent interloculars from from other podcasts, lesser podcasts, yeah. of course. Um, I suddenly <laughs> suddenly discovered that apparently dunking uh, biscuits into tea is uh, is a faux pas for some people. I went, Since when? Why is this controversial? I think they're just picking on me. Oh well, they can pick on both of us now, actually. Yeah, uh, dunk us for life. <laughs> Although, funny enough, no, I, I showed you this not long after. Um, we had that conversation. Uh, BBC Archive, um, they have a YouTube channel, uh, posted this thing up, which was posted on the news. and It was, it was an actual news article in 1998, a f- fun news article, where scientists, uh, not wasting their time at all, uh, were looking at the, the optimal uh, tea dunking technique. And they tested pretty much every biscuit. Some biscuits you... I mean, I thought this was a bit much. Um... Dunking tea for eight seconds. Sorry, that has tea. to be uh, dunking, like an April Fool's or something. Dunking eight, biscuits seconds. For eight seconds. It'll That's, be gone. Yeah, exactly. A bit much. Um, but the other thing was that the um, the best thing to do is um, if you dip it in a way which is at an angle where you so the, the you're dipping the bottom of the biscuit but not the top. So the top remains dry but the bottom of the biscuit is is wet. That's apparently the best way, and so the angle, the the angle is like you know when you see those science fiction movies where the uh, where you've got a flying saucer and it crashes and it's always at an angle. Yeah, that's the yeah. angle. Apparently, is the the best way to dunk a biscuit. That, that's not dunking. That's just weird. 
I've got flying saucers on my can. Uh, yeah. It all ties up. Yeah. I, w- I don't know if yeah. I'd want a half dunked biscuit. Is it like crunchy on top and wet underneath? Mm. Maybe we should give that a go. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, here's a question. Would you eat a chocolate digestive or a chocolate hobnob or a chocolate rich tea? Would you eat it upside down? Right, okay. Now we're getting into controversy. Which bit is upside down? Uh, well, chocolate face and down, so it's on, it's on your tongue rather than the roof of your mouth. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I've never really thought about which I guess way if you're in a hurry, you can be forgiven. Mm. I don't know. In my own weird ways, I have to conform to these certain rules, like don't open crisps upside down. That's a big one. Well, apparently, um, actually, uh, for for flavour, it is actually best to open the crisp packet upside down. Right. <laughs> because um, the because it, the the flavour, you know, what they cover the crisp in is sunk <clears> at the <throat> bottom. So if you mm. flip it up and then open it upside down, then you're getting the more flavoursome crisps and the rest. Anyway, you know, some people say it's the best way to. Right, the big the big one, Rob. Right, with scones. Um, this is a regional thing. I, I'm, I'm guessing, and I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's obvious what I'm going to ask, and it's a re, it is a regional thing. But what do you think is the best way? Um, cream first with jam on top, or vice versa? Cream first. Really? Why? Was that wrong? No, no. It's it's, it's not right. I mean, some people would say no, that is the right way, and some people would go, no, that's wrong. What are you thinking of? But what? Okay, so why would you say that the the cream first? The, well, I'd put the cream on first, spread it on, and then I'd put a nice big dollop of jam on. Mm-hmm. Um, d- the, the jam doesn't f- fill the full circumference of the scone, but it's a bit taller than the cream. Um, I'd, and then the first thing the top of your mouth hits is the tasty jam. Right, okay. See, because I, th- <laughs> I think the opposite, because I think um, it's much... It's much more easier to spread the jam if you put that on first. I can so what you're saying is what you're saying makes sense if you put the you don't want the the jam to have the full circumference, but you don't have to sort of like get a huge amount of jam um, to get the flavor of it. But it's just more easier to spread, easier to control the amount. So if you put the jam on first and then the cream on top, because it's double clotted cream if you're having it with a scone, of course. So I think. For me, I think it makes sense if you put the jam on first. Right. I've had issues with this over the years because um, it's hard to find clotted cream that is vegetarian. You, you can get it now, like, widely available, but I feel like once upon a time, not so much. Mm-hmm. So I'd resort to getting, like, just extra thick cream, which is still quite messy. Right, okay, yeah. So I'd put that on first. Yeah, no, fair enough. That does make sense. I mean, that is the thing. Doesn't matter what it is, um, if if it's a cream based dessert, it's it's always messy to eat. There's no there's no dignified way of mm. of eating it. Although, um, um, do you remember the movie uh, Groundhog Day? Um, yeah, yeah. And you know that scene where uh, they're in the cafe and uh, Bill Murray's character's just ordered a huge amount of dessert. The way and there's there's a cream one that he manages to pretty much stuff perfectly into his face. 
Mm-hmm. I'm always in awe with how Bill Murray <laughs> manages to do that with very little cream spilling out. Right. It's like, oh, I want to eat like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Like pig. Yeah, pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so apart <laughs> so uh you've been up to much since uh since our last podcast? Oh, quite a bit. I managed to catch up and meet in person for the first time Matt from neither the time nor the space. Yes, excellent. At the time of recording that was only a couple of days ago. So how it did was that yesterday, go? yeah. Uh not at all awkward. Uh, no, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so we met at the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to come in for a few things, so we arranged to meet. It was pouring down. I was only a few minutes late. Um, then you start to get, even though I know his face, there's this mild panic of like, what if I smile and go at the wrong person? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, it was it was great to meet him. Mm-hmm. We went for a walk around. We went to For- Forbidden Planet. Had a look around. He got himself a book. I got himself an Anthony Ainley coaster. All right, yes, yeah. Um, he went a bit above budget and got me the mug. Uh, had a little look around. We went to oh, what Traveling Man, the comic shop down the road from Forbidden Planet. Yes, I like that. It's a, it's a good comic shop. Yeah. Well, but he wanted to go to Games Workshop. We couldn't find it initially. They used to be on Clayton Street yes, in the late nineties. Yeah, um, and that's what—that's probably when I stopped going because it moved round the corner, and all of a sudden there was like fresh air and daylight. <laughs> and it, just, it completely killed the atmosphere. It killed the atmosphere. But yeah, it's—it's it's not far from. The, I've forgotten. The, is it Shakespeare moved, Street it, next to? Well, it's Theater moved Royal. now. Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. It used to be still in the Newgate Centre. Yeah, but that's demolished. That's now. gone now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I had to get Google Maps out and find it. All oh, right, okay. And they were busy demolishing the Odeon. Still. No, no. The the well, the Odeon was the... Uh, already demolished, uh, ah. sadly. So for 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 listeners not from Newcastle, um, we had a, a really uh, beautiful Art Deco cinema built in the nineteen thirties, uh, which originally was Paramount Cinema, but later on it became Odeon. My favorite cinema ever. And unfortunately, it closed in two thousand and towards the end of two thousand and two. And the last mm. film I ever saw there was Die Another Day. Uh, not the greatest movie to to, to see uh, the end of the cinema of, but there you are. Um, and it remained empty for for years. Mm. And unfortunately, it got demolished a few years back, and at the cost of I can't remember if it was a million pounds or three million, but a huge amount of money, it got replaced by shipping containers called the Stack. Oh yes, uh, which I thought was atrocious, and um, anyway, they've re- recently—it's only been there for a few years—and that was shops and bars and a few bars and stuff. Uh, but they've now got rid of that. They've demolished the stack, and do you know the Rob? Do you know the awful concrete building that was next to the Odeon? Yeah, that's what they've demolished. Right, because we were just looking at it in the distance. Ah, right, okay. And that. And now that you mention it, yes, it's, it's already been and gone. Mm-hmm. The audience. Yeah. But I, th- I looked at it and I thought, are they still d- knocking that down? <laughs> no, no, this is this is new development. And uh, do you right. know what they're going to put there in its stead? Which I just fr- find a bit odd. Um, Officers for the HMRC. Oh, right. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Yeah, fun, fantastic. That's fun. Yeah. But yeah, we went into Games Workshop. But there was just it was empty. <laughs> All right. Okay. Is there anything you wanted to buy, or did it bring back memories? It did bring back memories. Um, slight. Uh, there's always a slight urge to get back into it. I did try in the late noughties. Got back into a bit. Spent a lot of money. But the prices have shot up, hmm. and a lot of the figures were actually a lot of the miniatures were actually metal back in the day. But now they're all plastic. You can get metal ones, especially if you go on to um, online. They've got like Forge World and other divisions where they do the the metal figures and miniatures. But yeah, a lot of it's just plastic now. Mm. And for the price, I don't know. Well, it was never really cheap. I mean, if memory serves, the cheapest uh, set of models, I'm sure, was £5.99. pence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the the cheapest that you could get. But obviously, when when you're a kid and you're relying on pocket money, that you know it's quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and and then obviously you would have to buy the paint to paint your models, and that was never cheap, especially consi- I mean, it was good quality paint, but the amount that you were paying for, yeah. Um, and um, the fact that we didn't have experience painting as well, that was a <laughs> bit of an annoying thing. Yeah. But uh, that's the bit I enjoyed, you know, getting the models, mm. putting them together, doing the paint. Then when it came to the actual games, <laughs> it wasn't that fussed. I couldn't no. be bothered to learn the rules. But, yeah, yeah, it was a bit overwhelming. Mm. Uh, in the principle, I know now and I've probably forgotten I could get back into it, but it was a basic principle. But, you know, learning all the um, the different values of how far characters move and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> just... Yeah, it just couldn't be bothered so much. Yeah, but then. but I mean, I can I can see the appeal of it, yeah. especially you know the collection and then you know picking the models and doing the painting. There is something quite uh, pleasing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did go to a few of the conventions that they do. They did Games Day, which was once a year in the Birmingham National Indoor Arena, which is the place where they did Gladiators in the nineties. Ah, right, okay. Uh, so I'd get the coach down. I think I went there from from about ninety eight onwards. Um, it was a lot of fun. You get the coach down in the morning, get there late morning, spend the day there. The atmosphere when you go in is amazing. You can imagine walking into a stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the ground level, there's there's games going on and tournaments that you can enter. There's there's painting competitions. You you could win the Slayer Sword. Um, and there's also like de- development workshops going on. Um, it, there was there'd be hundreds of people there, mm-hmm. and you'd all be carrying like a um. Oh, what's what's when you know when you carry a plaque, like a standard bearer. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had like the Newcastle banner. It was it was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, when was that? Uh, I, I think I went. I went. I might have went. In the late 90s to the early 2000s. Right, okay. Um, and then I kind of outgrew it a bit. Mm-hmm. But that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I could good. Happy memories. Yeah. Um, so. 
and then uh, <laughs> sorry uh, and I was just say, you know uh, any updates on uh, movies or television or whatever well um hasn't piqued my interest so much but my wife's been in whip for it's dominated the past few weeks the Johnny Depp trial Oh, right. I haven't been watching it. It hasn't interested me at all. Right, okay. But, um, well, so- t- um, I think 8 o'clock this evening, as of the 1st of June, mm-hmm. the results are in. Uh, and it's it's not a criminal trial. Right. It's a, a de- defamation trial. So they're both claiming damages to their respective careers because of things that have been said about one another. Mm-hmm. And by the sounds of it, it was... I guess it was a toxic relationship. Um, she's made some really serious allegations uh, of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was aware um, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a big question among people. Most people are like, is it true or not? But you know, I'm not really going to go there because I don't know. But a lot of people seem to be in favour of Johnny Depp. Yeah, but is, isn't that? Am I right in thinking that that's been a recent role of? Role reversal because it wasn't wasn't original because this has been going on for not the tr- not specifically this trial but the, the this whole thing's been going on for a few years now hasn't it? That's right, and they've they've, they've both been dropped from well, mainly Johnny Depp was dropped from films. He was the he played the role of um, Griddlewalt in the Fantastic Beasts films. Uh, and then he was dropped from the third one. He was still paid, but he was dropped and replaced. Um, and this was all just because of the trial and, and the the alleged accusations, I guess. Mm. Um, with Amber Heard, she she was in Aquaman. While all this was going on, she was brought back to do additional scenes for Zack Snyder's Justice League recently. And she's also in Aquaman two, allegedly in like a reduced role. She's only on screen for maybe ten minutes or so. Right. Um, but it has a, it's affected their careers. Um, and I'm not sure about the figures, but um, for some of the damages on her behalf, she's she's won if if a good few million, and he's maybe won. The claim against her maybe double that, um, so the difference gets written off. So um, he gets a win from her. Right. Okay. Um, he wasn't at the hearing tonight. Apparently, he's in Newcastle doing a gig. Are you serious? No. Well, I haven't looked this up, but <laughs> my wife just told me. I did, I was a bit skeptical, but I'm gonna have a look. So Johnny Depp, New. So yeah, apparently he didn't. He didn't turn up to the to the results. He just um, yeah, it's in the Chronicle uh, one hour ago. Johnny Depp spotted in Newcastle's Bridge Tavern ahead of Amber Heard verdict coming in. He's he's out. He's out. Yeah, he's on the drink. <laughs> he's in the. T- oh my god! Right. Okay. Right. Right. Listeners. Uh, we're, <laughs> right. We're cancelling the podcast and we're going out on a drink and then seeing if we can yeah. stalk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I think he's doing a gig with somebody. Is he? Uh, okay. Apparently, yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp was spotted in a Newcastle pub, startled by fans moments before the verdict on his high-profile case with ex Amber Heard was due to be delivered. 
Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, that's weird, though, isn't it? Yeah. Of, he of didn't all turn the up places, to the hearing. He's rammed she, the corner. She was there. He didn't bother going. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so your wife forced you to go, because to be honest, it, uh, it hasn't remotely interested me, but uh, obviously, so your wife's forced you to, uh, to, to follow it all. Have you found it, have you found it interesting? Um, or no deal? It's definitely long, because we'd be watching the trials live. For hours on end. Oh God! <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't imagine anything worse. Well, I could, but you know. Yeah. It's, uh, occasionally, it's interesting, but no. Nah. <laughs> right. It's over with now. <laughs> well, that's well, that's good. Get on yeah. with our lives. Um, um. Apart from that, I've been watching the new series of Stranger Things. I've just finished the first block of season four. All right, and verdict. It's it's good. I don't think it's the best, but it's a brilliant show, so mm-hmm. it's in no way average. <laughs> um, it's pretty good. I, I don't know where we stand with spoilers, if we want to talk about that. Um, I'd be happy to, but I think for you know purposes for for listeners who may not be you know who 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 are interested and may not have caught up yet. I think I think we'll we'll move on from that. Maybe another time, yeah. yeah. But I know that it's um it has had a, a positive impact on the music charts because there was a um there was a scene in which used uh, Kate Bush's uh, running up that hill yeah, and that shot up the charts as a result of that's that. That's right. We've had it on in the house today. Yeah. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. Um um yeah, and I'm not a big TikToker, but my wife says it's all over TikTok. Ah, uh, right, okay. As well. Yeah, it was because um, I love Kate Bush have for years. In fact, I was very fortunate when she did her last um, tours. I think that was twenty sixteen. Now, I went to one of the shows. Oh, it was fantastic! And um, so uh, earlier this week, um, I was going, "Oh, Kate Bush is trending on Twitter. What's going on there?" And it was just the whole thing of just about you know uh, running up that hill using Stranger Things and um, you know new people discovering her and that song, and then. It's just shot up the charts. I think it might be maybe actually number one. Yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah, that's 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 a good point. Um, people people discovering great music. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, she's she's a young. My oldest daughter, she's not exactly fifteen, which is the rating of the show. <clears throat> right. Yeah. But but me and my wife had a, had a discussion earlier this week, um, whether or not she can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weighed everything up and decided she can. Ah, right, okay. So, um, well, she, she doesn't really get exposed to many, um, like, adult shows. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, gore and stuff. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole dynamics of what to, what to show your kids or not. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, she, she um, she's really liking it. Because it's tough when you've got a kid who's at school... And all the other kids are doing something, mm-hmm. and and I'm having to say no. <laughs> well, you could, well, I mean, it's it's your choices. Uh, you know, obviously, as parents, you've got to weigh up that decision. Yeah, I would say, you know, don't bow into to peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, I think it's very easy for people just going, uh, no, they can't be watching stuff that age. And there's a reason why it's certified. Um, you know the certificate, certificate yeah. is, but when you when you think about it, Rob, I mean, I was introduced to Batman when I was three, on and that was when it was a VHS, and that was certificate fifteen. 
mm. uh, Richard yeah. Kitt, you know. And I remember when, you know, when Predator or the Terminator films would be broadcast late at night, we would all watch them, and then we would mm. come in because uh, it would probably be during the weekend, and then we would all come in on a Monday. We all be talking about these certificate eighteen films that we'd seen. So yeah, um, I guess different people react to different things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, all the kind of things you've just mentioned. Um, it's the kind of things I would watch at a young age. Yeah. Um, the things that would get to me, like Roald Dahl's The Witches, kind of freaked me out. Oh, that, yes, I thought, especially the film. Um, that really, yeah, that, yeah, that really. That scene me. where he's in the conference hall. Yes. Like trapped there. I remember having to turn it off at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's really, really strong stuff. I remember when um, uh, the film Death Becomes Her was originally mm. released. That was certificate PG. Really? I, yeah, and I kind of—it's subsequently been uh, recertified as Certificate Twelve, which I think is more appropriate. Although, personally speaking, I still think that's a bit—I think it should be Certificate Fifteen, personally. But anyway, by the by, when it originally came out, it was certified PG. I thought that was far too. So anyway, I always have. <laughs> so, um, I went to the cinema with my mother to see that when it came out, because uh, because she, right. she really wanted to see it, and I, I remember at the time, um. You know, because we would go to the cinema regularly and it would always be what I wanted to see. And I remember my mother always asking me, on this occasion, going to the cinema, she went, Liam, it's up to you, but I would really like us to watch Death Becomes Her. Would you mind? I was like, no, no, not at all. And I remember, you know, because it was actually the Warner Brothers cinema we went to. And I remember standing outside and thinking, well, we do see everything that I would... Yeah, maybe it would be nice to see a, a... a movie that man wanted to see for a change so I said yes and agreed to it I thought it was terrifying uh, and I, th- I think I could only stay there for about half an hour then because I was so scared we ended up having to walk out but it was always this memory and obviously I've seen the movie since and just how that was a, c- a certificate PG at the time I've no idea what's bad about it the atmosphere of it because um, mm. it's, it's, it's a fantasy comedy film uh, and it is a good movie, um, but it has a very uh, creepy, disturbing uh, atmosphere of it. And then later on, I didn't see this at the cinema at the time, but this is like later on in the movie. You know, you've got um, signs of decomposition and limbs falling mm. off and everything like that. It's it's not a PG movie by any stretch of the imagination. No. So, yeah. I think I agree with you on that tone, mm-hmm. but... Um, whether or not that kind of stuff bothers you, I guess, is is just subjective rather than yes, that's maturity. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Because if you go on the BBC BBFC website, the British Board of Film Classification, and if you look at PG, um, it says that you know it's parental guidance. Um, usually, it should be suitable for children at least the age of eight and upwards. But I, I'm sure they even say, but obviously, that's not a catch-all thing, you know some children will be more sensitive than others, so you've got to yeah. weigh it up yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. With Stranger Things, um, I keep asking my daughter, you know, how, how Stranger Things are going. Um, and I, I kind of forgot how tame the first series is. I know there's um, there's like occasionally, like, gory stuff, like people melting and... <laughs> right. <laughs> Just... Um, yeah, but it's, it's, like, few and far between. Um... Maybe I think the show is just a lot of fun. It's yeah. I don't know what I was kind of worrying about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, you reviewed it beforehand. 
Yeah. <laughs> rather than, you know, risking it and go, oh, whoops, we've mentally scarred my, uh, mentally scarred my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah, from my point of view, it's just nice to just go, oh, right, okay, people are discovering Kate Bush through the show, so. Yeah. Uh, we've actually actually had, um, my daughter's had the Strangest Things soundtrack playing on Alexa today. Uh, loads of cool 80s songs. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, good, good. Yeah. So, have you been watching anything? Uh, nothing current. For some reason, I decided that I wanted to re uh, start um, watch the Vicar, Vicar of Dibley. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching some of the episodes when when they were out, and it was, yeah, it was all right. Um, but I just wanted to watch a light-hearted comedy, uh, and all the episodes are on iPlayer, so I thought, oh, I'll watch that. Um, I enjoyed the first two series, and then after that, I just think the quality of the writing really, really dips. Oh right, yeah, and I just uh, I'm not feeling oh, it anymore. It's a shame. Yeah, but um, uh, like I remember some highlights of the show and funny bits, but it does have one of I think one of the all time best comedy moments ever, and it doesn't matter how many times I've seen the scene, it still cracks me up. It's when um, Hugo and Alice are getting married and they're in the church, and the vicar says, you know, if if anyone has any uh, cause or undue pediment, why these two cannot be married speak now or forever hold your peace and there's a moment of silence and a, and a woman comes in and goes yes i do and everything's dramatic and they got it and then it, you know the music <laughs> comes in just going he's already married and don't let him deny it i've got the uh, i've got the marriage certificate to prove it and she's waving it in her hand and then hugo turns around and then you cut to the woman's face go oh sorry wrong church and then she just <laughs> And then she just waddles off. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the best moments. I just yeah. think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So it does, yeah. it does give us one of the best comedy moments ever, I think. <laughs> there is that moment where she jumps in a puddle. Yes, yes, I remember that, yeah. Simple, but good. <laughs> yeah, simple, but effective. But yeah. So there are really good moments. I think the first two series and then after that, it, it's not really a show worth bothering with. Mm. But um, but yeah, uh, that was that was enjoyable and it it, it has uh, lifted my spirits up, which is quite nice. Um, I've still been going to the uh, the cinema to see the Bond films. So the most recent one I saw was Diamonds Are Forever, and I've been enjoying them all and seeing them for the first time at the cinema because obviously these are films that I'm very familiar with, but I've seen them, I've only seen them at home. Finally, seeing at the cinema how they are intended and what they were made for. It's like a completely different experience. I've been really, really enjoying it. Uh, so that's been nice. Um, finally, uh, did get round to reading Rivers of London, uh, the oh, Ben yeah. Aronovich uh, story. It's a, a book. It's a whole series now, and that was the very first one. So I finally got round to reading that. And I didn't know what to expect, because I've always... It's always seemed to be labelled as a science fiction f- uh, novel. But it's not. It's, it's more urban fantasy. Um, and it's about so it's set in London as you would expect from the name and there is a branch of um, the police force which deals with murder investigations but of a supernatural angle Um, and it's just really nice really interesting engaging read I love the characters and and yeah so if anyone who hasn't read uh, Rivers of London. Uh, I would recommend it. I just thought it was a really nice, engaging, interesting read. Um, and I was hoping to get 
the second in the series, which I think is called Moon Over Soho. Um, but when I went into Waterstones, they had that's the it's the one book of the series that they didn't have. I think they sold out. But um, yeah, I th- at some point I will be dipping into the series. I'm sold on it, so I enjoyed that. That was good. Excellent. I don't think I've read anything in a while. I, you know what? I did read the Metro newspaper <laughs> when I went in to see Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't usually get like public transport much. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. I feel like I just needed a pen. You know when we had them at school? Yeah. We'd get the Metro newspaper and you would just occasionally, occasionally like colour in some teeth to give them like missing teeth <laughs> or draw willies here and there. <laughs> <laughs> or draw moustaches or... Yeah. Glasses on people. Or you might have even ventured to do the Sudoku or the crossword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was nice going to see Matt, though. Um, we went for sushi at Yo Sushi. All right. Very nice. I know. Sorry, it's like I've taken you there before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've been replaced. I've taken them out there now. Well, but, actually, I mean, we do have a special announcement, which is that this is our last podcast, Rob, because now you'll be doing a podcast with Matt because you're a cheap date and he bought you a mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought uh, you, sh- you sent me a photo. I thought it was really nice of him and it was a- it's a lovely mug. And it ha- Am I right? It has all the masters on it. It does, yeah. It's not just an only mug. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, well, all four, you know, the original four, the OG. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're all on there, yeah. And all the respective era logos, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Just out of curiosity, do you you know what book Matt bought? He got, um, what book he bought? Yeah, I I thought you said he bought a book. Yeah, he he got one of the, it was a Star Wars book. It was... Is it the New Republic series? Um, but it's a range of books uh, that's part of the new Star Wars canon. Um, and it was a signed copy as well, because for, occasionally Forbidden Planet just does all the signed copies. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Good, good. Um, so that's one he was looking to to read. <laughs> oh, nice. Have you have you read any of those? Of Star Wars books? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Um, I think I've had a few second-hand copies of... Um, some of the big ones from the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've attempted the the Admiral Throne books. Um, before, but uh, to be honest, I can't remember. Um, Star Wars isn't something I've ever wanted to be a completist in and get all the books and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm aware of like the Star Wars expanded universe as it used to be called. Um, now it's just been kind of rebranded um, into two entities, which is canon, overseen by the Star Wars creative team, and Legends, which is all of the old stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a bit complicated now. But <laughs> <laughs> no, have you read any Star Wars stuff before? Uh, no, no, I don't think I have actually. Because no. I mean, I, I I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. For one thing, I mean, I like the movies, but that pretty much, you know, uh, for any yeah. listeners who may be into Star Wars, just to show you how much, you know, th- I like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, all right, okay, it's good to know, but I don't just, you know, be fan just going, hey, but what? Um, I actually dislike 
the clone um, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I think we both said that. I think Attack of the Clones is the worst, the worst Star Wars film. Mm. Having said that, though, I haven't seen of the the recent trilogy. Oh, what was the last one called? Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh right. Um, I did like the Force Awakens, which was the first of the new ones. Yes, that was entertaining. It, I liked it. That. Was a it was a bit of a. Um, a bit of a carbon copy. Of <laughs> a bit of a carbon copy. I mean, it was. It was pretty much exactly the same. But it was. It was a well-made film, and yeah. it was, I was entertained by it. But yeah, yeah. and I guess um, you could have some issues with it because it kind of undoes some things that had been set in place, like um, the empire was gone, um, the emperor was overthrown, and all of a sudden, um, someone's took their place. And there's another Death Star, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a well made film. Mm-hmm. The second one got a lot of hate. Um, I'm guessing you've seen that, yeah? Yes, I saw that one. Yeah, um, I thought that was good. It was all right. I, the the, thi- the thing that I had all the stuff with the casino narratively absolutely pointless. It doesn't marry up to the main plot. Mm. You could have easily edited all that from a production. Point, from a production point of view and the design and the cinematography and all that, I thought it looked fantastic. So Do you it, hate the casino stuff? What? Like, it's it's the, the casino stuff in that. Because, like, no, no, I it's don't actually it. ruined people's lives here. Like, people people hate it. Oh, do they? Okay. I and, and um, you know, there's the character of Rose mm-hmm. in that film. Yeah. You know, the girl who... Um, Oh, what's the guy called? Yeah, it goes I off mean, with guys. what's his face. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well, well, she's actually had a lot of hate, um, to the extent of racism and death threats and stuff because of that role. Jesus, really? A lot. Oh, it's it's a it's a very serious thing. Yeah, big thing. Um, she's been quite depressed about it. She's quit social media uh, at some point over it. Um, Bloody hell! That's awful. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hate. Obviously, not from like people with common sense and common decency. But you know, like, no, no. But I mean, a, enough for like... her to feel ha- hounded. Obviously, that's mm. awful. Because I actually yeah. thought I I wouldn't say I necessarily liked the character. I liked her in it, and I think actually because I thought if you look at the character in terms of how it's written, there's not much there. She. That's a case of I think the actress bringing an awful lot to it, and she was very mm. likable, and I like you know so I liked her, so um, so all that stuff to do with the casino, what it, narratively I just didn't, I didn't think it tied in, but I thought the the actors were good, and that part of the film visually I thought was very appealing. I liked the look of it in terms of the cinematography and the production design of it. Mm. Um, I just think that it was narratively is like what's the point of this? Because I think you could co- take out that entire section. And it wouldn't affect the the overall story, mm-hmm. so that's the the issue I have with it. But I don't hate it, and so no. certainly, um, I had no idea that. Uh, well, I didn't initially. I I went to see the film. Uh, I think I probably had the same outlook on it as you. The moment came and gone. I got on with the story mm-hmm. and thought, okay, that happened. That's fine. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, uh, the, you haven't seen the final one though. No, no, I haven't. Um, I didn't go to the cinema to see that. Uh, I kind of wish I had. Um, I thought it was okay when I saw it at home. Right, okay. I don't know. In theory, like on paper, it's like 
wow, this would be great that this is happening, but I don't know. Think about that. I was left feeling what was the whole point in this trilogy. Well, I was kind of getting it with the second because that was I think because when it came to the third one, I just really wasn't that fussed by it because so uh, that's so it wasn't just the the casino stuff. I went, what was the point with it? I was also disappointed with some of the so you know how um, I've forgotten the the name of the main character, but you know how in the in the in the first film that she's in, there's a whole thing about the mystery of who her parents are. Yeah, big, big, big issue. Yeah, yeah, big issue. Um, the way that that's revealed and uh, and and dealt with, I didn't think was particularly satisfying. What's your memory of how that was dealt with? Oh, to be honest, I can't really remember much of it. Because in, in the second film, it was basically like her parents are nobody. Yes, that was it. Yeah, and it was just like, well, why did you? That was yes, that was it. So I was like, well, why? well, Liam, that's not the case. Yeah. If they played it in a different way, which was that, well, at the end of the day, she's an orphan and she doesn't know anything about her own background. Obviously, she wants to know that. Then that, you know, that would have been fine. And they could have gone down that route and had it been, well, they were just ordinary, normal folk. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that that could have worked. But because they went down a route where they were, they made it to such a huge deal where it was going to, where it where they were basically going and when it's going to be revealed it's going to be a major revelation that that was the that was how they pitched it and mm. so when you've pitched it at that level and then the reveal is but do they, you know they're just ordinary folk it just oh uh, wait no do you, you don't know the what where it goes in the third film oh no oh, okay is that so is that picked up again oh yes um we were completely meant. They were just trying to throw us off with the fact that there were nobody. Oh, oh, all right, okay. Well, right, okay. So, right, probably right. Okay, so my criticism of that is probably not valid in that in that case because I haven't experienced the final. But the no. right, okay. So the other, I'll issue, not tell you. Yeah, no, no, that's fine because I, I will go around to, to watching it again, I, again. I will watch it <laughs> for the first time. Um, the other thing as well is that. Um, basically the evil emperor character you know him oh the ver- the, the the new big bad guy yes Sno- snoke that's him yes snoke yeah. um again basically gets killed yeah he gets killed and it's it, it, i mean in terms of how powerful and uh, in terms of how powerful he is or was mm. that's e- that comes across as too easy a death and i thought that was that was disappointing yeah and it's almost like there was this power vacuum now and Kylo Ren took the throne almost. Yeah. So mm. yeah, with that second film I was a bit uh, I was a bit underwhelmed. So when it came to the okay. th- the third one I wasn't that fussed. And also I think there was a case of Star Wars fatigue because you know you, you had these big episodes and then the, you know and you just felt like you were b- bombarded with Star Wars too much because you had um Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um and then you had Solo out massively advertised, and was there something else? It felt like it. Well, it just... well there was meant to be a third anthology film, mm. but the 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 first two, which was Rogue One and Solo, mm-hmm. they don't think they did as well as expected. Rogue One was a bit of an experiment. I know the the story wise, it changed a lot. You you can tell this from looking at the trailer compared to the final finished film. There's a few things that are radically different. Right, okay. Um, so I think they had a, 
it, it did the story well. You know, it, it evolved throughout production, which is fine. Mm-hmm. With Solo, they recast Harrison Ford's character um, and told part of the story that we already knew. Yes. Uh, have you seen Solo? No. No. Um, I saw it. It's quite forgettable <laughs> and pointless. And, <laughs> right. and then, like you say, the, the third and final of the sequel trilogy came out. And I was feeling the fatigue by then. Mm. And so all that was over with. And Disney still got Star Wars on their hands. So they turned to streaming and do the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And they build upon the law that was established in some of the animated series. So we had the Clone Wars, Rebels. And it's quite remarkable that it picks up on this this law that was established there, adapt it. They do this live action show and it's really good. Oh, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's good now. Okay. So the Mandalorian... We had season one and two. Mm-hmm. Then we have Boba Fett, um, which picks up the aftermath of Boba Fett being ate by the Solid Pet in Return, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were getting in another Mandalorian show. Um, with just this week, the Obi Wan Kenobi show has started. We're having uh, a show called Andor, which is one of the the guys from Rogue One, Cassian Andor. Right, okay. He's we, um, he's getting his own show. We have Ahsoka Tano. Do you know who that is? Mm, no, I don't she, think so. She was from the animated series. She is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. <laughs> right, okay. Who's a, Je- who's a Jedi. Right, yeah. Um, and now she's in the live action shows. She's getting her own show. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's all tied together pretty well. And you know what? The TV shows are doing so much better than the films did. And I think it was earlier this month that um, Kathleen Kennedy, who is running the whole thing at Disney, um, she said, you know, they've been rethinking the direction with the films and I think they think they know where they're going with it now. Oh, right, okay. So they might have another crack at the films. Right, okay. Um, but hopefully they've learned a lot from the TV shows because they're, they're really good. <laughs> All right, well, that's good, that's good now. So um, in terms of those new series that you mentioned, some which have already started and some we're still waiting Up- for. Upcoming, yeah. Um, re- really looking forward to those. Do you think you'll be watching some of them or all of them? I think with some like I mentioned Cassian Andor about a character from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I watched the trailer today. It looks it looks good. It, the trailer was like a movie, but it's one of the ones that I'm not I'm not excited for, but I'm sure I'll love anyway. Mm-hmm. Um Boba Fett, the series that happened recently, got a bit of criticism. I can see why, but I think people were just a bit impatient with the pace of the of the series. Um, it had it had some great moments, and the way it tied into something else in particular was really good. Oh, uh, okay. But you you're not on Disney Plus, are you, at the moment? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, 
I don't watch that much television in general. Mm-hmm. And the amount of stuff that, you know, you would have to subscribe to in order to find anything, you know, uh, it's just, it's just getting ridiculous. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, so you'd be, hop, you know, the, you know, you would, I would have to, you know, subscribe to Netflix and then Amazon Prime and then, um, and then it would be Disney Plus and then, yeah. And the amount of stuff that I would find interesting on each of those things I'll be subscribing to, it's like, oh, I've seen a little bit of, you know, I've seen, you know, not even 1% of their output. Mm. And, you know, um, not made of money. No. Somehow I'm just just managing with my subscriptions at the moment, but I don't think I can do with any more <laughs> just yet. Um, there's some new Star Trek shows coming out. That are going to be exclusively on Paramount Plus streaming service. Oh God, right. It's a bit annoying. Yeah. Um, I did start the new Picard season. I did the first episode, but I haven't had time to get into it yet. All oh, right. Okay. Did you start Picard ever? No. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh. Um, as much as being enjoying this conversation, I think we better um get on to the main, which is um talking about Doctor Who. You know the. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know the thing that the podcast is supposed to be about. So um. One of the things that I've been wanting to do for for some reason it just seemed to pop up was um I wanted us to to go uh, review the the stories in season 18 which is Tom Baker's final season in Doctor Who. Um and then I was thinking well um I wonder if well, I didn't wonder I had a very strong uh, suspicion that uh, Big Finish would would have plugged some sort of gap. And I went, I wonder if Big Finish have done any stories set during that era. And funnily enough, yes, they have. So I was having a look, and at the moment, um, they seem to have a reasonable number. And I thought, well, why don't we not only review the televised season 18 stories, but also do the the Big Finish um, audio adventures set during that time. And this is the first time that um, I've listened to them. So when I was planning you know, the, the, the story order I was reading the plot synopsis and trying to work out um, some sort of continuity so will we be listening to these audios in release order as well or not necessarily n- n- I'm, I'm not sure actually I wasn't really looking at the release order I'm just curious yeah, I'm yeah. not really bothered because we're doing it narrative wise anyway Yeah, um, some of them will obviously be in, in release order um but some aren't. But from what I can gather, so there there are ones in the series where it says that you know um, th- there's ones where it's the Doctor Romana and Adric, and they're still in E space. So th- that that's easy to determine where it would fall into the series. Um, uh, and there's some there's some stories which don't feature K nine at all. And they're like, well, I'll be able to work. You know, I've kind of I think I've worked out some sort of continuity. Mm-hmm. And with these, and I think I've got it right. So the very first one that we're going to be looking at is the Beast of Kravenos. So I listened to that, and then I listened to the interviews that they did about the making of it. And um, uh, what's his name? Nicholas Briggs. He actually made a comment, which was that um, the Beast of Kravenos would pretty much be the first story of season 18 if it was a televised thing alright okay so I seem to have got <laughs> we'll see I'll, I'll probably at some point when yeah I've, I've ballsed up on the continuity of attempting to do this but, but, but we'll see but anyway um, that's the idea because I've wanted us to delve into season 18 so that's that's the reason why we're doing this and 
get a bit more familiar with Big Finish. Um, yeah, for, 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 it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So, um, so first... Big double whammy today. Yeah, yeah, so we're reviewing two stories. Uh, the first is The Beast of Kravenos, um, a two-episode story with each story lasting roughly 30 minutes. So the plot synopsis, uh, which I've borrowed uh, from the Big Finish uh, website, is a stunning new star act is wowing the audiences of the new Regency Theatre. The modern mechanical marvel of canny canine charisma, the automated dog that can answer any question, the incomparable, the unbeatable canine. The Doctor and Romana have returned to Victoria, London, and been reunited with their old friends Professor George Lightfoot and Henry Gordon Jago. However, this is not merely a social visit. A terrifying crime spree is sweeping the capital, and the burglaries of the knave defy all logic. Something impossibly dangerous is taking place amid the fog. Only the time travellers and their friends can stop it, but can they be sure they're all on the same side? The casting crew, Tom Baker plays The Doctor, Lala Ward plays Romana, John Leeson plays K-9, Christopher Benjamin Benjamin plays Henry Gordon Jago, Trevor Baxter plays Professor George Lightfoot, Conrad Asquith plays Inspector Quick, and Ed Stoppard plays Sir Nicholas Asquin. The story was directed by Nicholas Briggs, uh, written by Justin Richards, and produced by David Richardson. Um... Okay, bit of you might find this a bit of a, a difficult one to, to answer, Rob. But um, you are much more familiar with Big Finish than I am, and you know I've got quite a big uh, Big Finish audio collection and what have you. What appeals to you about the Doctor Who Big Finish audios in general? Hmm. Initially, uh, there was two things: there was the the monthly range and the Eighth Doctor range. Mm-hmm. The monthly range. That was pretty exciting because it was continuing the stories of the existing Doctors minus Tom Baker. Um, And also the Eighth Doctor stuff kind of... It was a legit continuation, filled a gap on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in the recent couple of decades, it's got a bit overwhelming with the amount of spin-offs and things. So it can be a bit off-putting. Um, you've picked these stories that kind of um, fit into a certain place continuity wise mm-hmm. um, I've never been too fussed on finding out where stories fit no no mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, it does appeal to me because it, it's it's the, the original actors doing it and the fact that Tom Baker returned was quite a remarkable thing I remember it happening and instead of incorporating him into the monthly range they gave him his own um fourth doctor adventures range which is what we're beginning today yes yeah yeah totally agree with you in terms of the continuity aspect of it i'm not really bothered either it was just um i wanted to do season 18 there seems to be a reasonable amount at the moment of stories that would fit during that period and i thought well actually it you know Let's see if this works. Um, so I'd probably do this as a one-off. Like, say, for example, mm. later on down the line, I want to review the season 20... Sorry, no, uh, the season 19 stories, you know, Peter Davison's first season. I don't think I'm going to, you know, follow the same pattern because, the you know, the amount of stories yeah. that Big Finish... Incorporate all the books and stuff. Oh, well. God, no. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm getting headaches just thinking about it. So what are we calling this? Kind of like the, 
expanded season 18 anthology. Yes, I think, yeah, it's probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a one-off, I think, because it's the, at the moment, uh, it's the only, I think it's probably the only period of Big Finish Audio Adventures where it's sensible to do this. Mm. Um, <laughs> so there's a, so anyway, um, going on to the, the story, I, from my point of view, surprisingly, I think this is actually going to be quite a short discussion, but we'll see. So um, the main, so the way that I've summarised the story is that there are three events being investigated. One is that there are strange any energy emissions which bring the Doctor Romana and K9 onto the scene. And when the story starts, they've been looking into this for a couple of weeks. Um, in light, And then also separately, there have been thefts and housebreakings taking place, which the police are investigating. And then, and then the third is that there are brutal, savage murders. Now, of course, all of these end up being linked. Sir Nicholas Asquin is a burglar who has discovered alien technology from a crashed space spacecraft, which included teleporting facilities, which he's been using to gain entry into the houses. So that's the energy emissions and the thefts. But the technology comes from the planet Kravenos, um, and any human who uses it begins to turn into these alien creatures who are, who are intelligent, but are brutal savage creatures as well. And that is... The reason for you know the savage murders so mm. so so nicholas asquin is behind everything and that's i think pretty much uh the story summed up um in in some respects um i think this is this is a uh, a typical big finish doctor who story which kind of makes me not want to bother with them um because not it was very short i think more could have been done with the story if it had been a four-parter um possibly i mean because it was very short-winded i thought the whole establishing what's going on Mm. the mystery which wasn't so mysterious (laughs) and then the resolution yeah and it's so I have listened to so you, as as we already said, Rob. You're you know you, you've listened to a lot more Big Finish audio adventures than, than well, I maybe. Have. Um, uh, in comparison, I've only listened to a handful. But within that, um, you know, I've listened to you know classics like um, the Midnight Chimes, if I've got the title right. Yeah, Chimes of Midnight. Chimes of Midnight. Yeah. That's it. Yes, yeah. uh, which is an Eighth Doctor adventure, and that is absolutely fantastic. It's a really good story, very atmospheric, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just absolutely superb. And the the one or two others, um, some of which we have previously um, re- uh, reviewed, although quite a while back, uh, for the podcast. Um, but then there are there have been quite a few Doctor Who's Big Finish Audio adventures where I've just thought, oh, that was all right, but I didn't really get much out of it. Whereas in comparison, I don't know, I've said this a, a few times, but uh, when I've listened to the Big Finish Blake 7 stuff, um, the stories there, I just think, are really, really great and captivating and just wonderful whereas for some reason the doctor who audio adventures seem to be okay i mean they're not bad they're not you know awful but and i think this for me the beast of kravenos falls into that it's fine the story's fine um Mm. but it's not one unremarkable yeah i'd say that that outlook um i don't think you could see that across the board with big finish Mm. There's some really good stuff yeah. there, um, which I'd say is, in its own way, is just as good or or 
is better than the TV show. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, in this instance, it was it was just a little two part story. Something happened. <laughs> it got solved. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it was fine. It um, I think it was pretty much just like an average story. Um, I think the other thing as well is. Um, because I, I I listened I haven't just listened to the story once um but initially I thought I well, I didn't know quite what I was expecting you know just go along for the ride and take it for what it is but given the fact that we have two beloved characters uh Jago and Lightfoot from the uh the towns of Wang Chiang and I know that big finish have done uh Jago and Lightfoot uh audio adventures that's one of their spin-offs uh, which are you've done? They've done quite a lot. Yeah, and I know that um, they've done. They've used those characters with Colin Baker's Doctor. Yes, well, it did. It does tie in with their main series because mm. they did a one-off. I think it was the Mahogany Murders, and then they did Jago and Lightfoot. Um, I think they did maybe did one CD, then they did the first box set, and then after the first box set, they did a bunch of specials. With Colin Baker, mm-hmm. um, Voyage to Venus, and another one I think, and and then they go they go back to the main series, and and their narrative does branch off into other standalone stories here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole Jago and Lightfoot like adventure, it's kind of all over the place, and it's quite good, mm-hmm. I guess. I haven't actually experienced much of it, um, apart from the odd one. Um, people do people do recommend it highly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, and uh, I've actually heard uh, some of the stories, and they're, they're good. Um, so knowing that they were, you know, that they were using those characters, uh, bringing them back, and then Tom Baker's, you know, interacting with them again. Um, I thought, and you know, I'm a big sucker for stories, you know, set in Victoriana, um, and I, I thought we would have something a bit more. Suppose a bit, a bit more atmospheric and a little bit more dark, but have fun with it. A bit like Robert Holmes does with the towns of Wang Chiang, actually. Mm. Um, but we don't get that, and I was just, uh, yeah. So the story's okay, and but it just seems to come and go, and I was just, I didn't really get much out of it. The, the mm. other issue that I had with it is, in terms of the production of it and how it's edited and how it sounds, it's fine. But I just, it was just this feeling, and. And I listened to the sto- I listened to the episodes again for the second time, and it be- it just felt more apparent, which is that the feel it felt like there was a disconnect between some of the actors, as if maybe they were recorded separately. Like I get the I got I got the sense that when Lala Ward was saying her lines, it wasn't when. You know, and she's responding to what the doctor's saying. I get the impression that they weren't recorded at the same time. Mm. Um, perhaps. Mm. Um, some of the more recent Big Finish stories that I've I've bought that have been produced during lockdown. Um, it did. It is stated on the CD that this happened. Um, and some of them aren't half bad. You know, and you, you if you didn't know, you would you wouldn't you wouldn't really it wouldn't really occur to you. But um, but you think in this case it's quite noticeable? For me, I mean, I may be completely wrong, but it was just a f- mm. f- feeling that I got. And then the second time I was listening to the story, it just felt it just felt more obvious. I mean, the lockdown thing you can kind of get, but this was uh, I think this was released in twenty seventeen, so 
obviously that doesn't apply but i felt like um the feeling that i got was that john leeson and lala ward recorded their dialogue probably together and then everyone else was you know elsewhere mm. um so not only did i feel that not only did i feel that the story was not particularly great not awful but uh, fine um i also felt that the the um the acting was a little a little bit absent in some respects it, it just yeah. didn't quite gel it, there could have been more maybe chemistry and energy to it mm-hmm. if they had been together yeah yeah um so for all this build up of of the beast of Cravenos, that's that's pretty much all i've got to say i mean have you got yeah. anything to add rob um no when the doctor mentioned his tardis being the most precious thing in the universe yes uh-huh. um i i guess i know how things work in storytelling i thought well that's that's blatantly going to be something important the fact that he's mentioned that and it was um yeah and who he's saying it the, to is yeah. a massive clue of who behind who is yes. behind it all i was hoping that that it wasn't going to be so obvious you know mm. being thrown off somehow but no love a good mystery yeah yeah there's a a great mystery and uh, and even when it's a a story that you've gone through and then you know the you know what the mystery is what makes it even better is even though that you may if you can go back to that story and and go well actually you know and now knowing what the answer is and then seeing how it all tied you know you can still enjoy it knowing what the answer is um but with this you're kind of you know there's this there's supposed to be this huge mystery of who who's behind all this and uh you know just going well maybe it's this person or it could be this person over here and you go but when you've been landed such a massive clue and you're kind of going what right if i can get it how come a lot of these other characters are supposed to be intelligent on getting it? how come romana hasn't worked it out mm. it you know and it yes because it, at some point doesn't the doc the doctor reveal that he's already worked it out mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. And, and this is to romana Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, of course you have. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's just so. Yeah, it was uh, supposed to be this big mystery, but it isn't really. Um, you can, it's, it, it's a story which you know, very simple story, but there's nothing wrong with that. But it follows all the beats. You know, you know pretty much uh, where it's going before it's even started. It was okay. Yeah." Uh, so I think knowing what it's going to be Rob uh, conclusion and score I don't know is bad harsh no okay so conclusion here we go Mm -hmm. I didn't relish in having these characters back because like you said it didn't seem like they were together and there was no real chemistry there. Mm-hmm. Um, attempted it doing some funny bits with K9, but... Mm. <laughs> Felt a bit forced, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and the... Yeah, so the... yeah, that's another thing as well. I just thought, oh, God, these jokes with K9. Cause there's, there's, there's two mainly about you know how he eats ball bearings and... Um, He'll only eat scones if they have electric currents. Yeah, and he goes for wheelies. Oh Christ! Uh, yeah, so, so 
Yeah. Okay, so I think this story, as we're trying to evaluate it, as adding some substance to season 18, <laughs> I, I say it's bad. Yeah, you know what? Because originally what I was going to say, I was going to get... I mean, wow, okay, so we've this is the first bad uh, ranking we've ever given a Doctor Who story uh, for the podcast. So that's a first, folks. Um, originally, I was going to say average. Um, but on reflection... I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to give yeah. it bad because um, the story for what it is is very slight. It doesn't surprise you. Um, mm. It uh, it has... Its attempts of humour are absolutely dire. Uh, but you've added the, the main thing, Rob, which is keeping in mind that this is supposed to be, in you know, add something to season 18. And it, it doesn't at all. In fact, it detracts from it. Um... And, you know, Justin yeah. Richards is a very good writer. Yes, he is. Yeah, he can yeah. turn around a story very fast. Yeah. Um, perhaps that's the issue, was that um, the necessity of getting this story done <laughs> could have been detrimental to writing a good story. I don't know. I don't know how storytellers work, but... Um, yeah, all the pieces came together, but it didn't work. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so The Beast of Kravenos, bad Big Finish audio adventure, uh, one we definitely wouldn't recommend. Well, today might not have been a complete waste of time, mm -hmm. and we do have one more storyline. Yes, we do. I think it's probably just as well as structured. Let's, let's review two. I think it's got to work out. So um, the second audio adventure is called The Eternal Battle, and the plot synopsis again from Big Finish is the TARDIS has landed in, in a war zone. The Doctor, Romana, and K9 find themselves uh, traipsing through an in, through an inhospitable inhospitable. Oh, start again. The TARDIS has landed in a war zone. The Doctor, Romana, and K9 find themselves uh, traipsing through an inhospitable battlefield. Strange lights flicker in the sky, and stranger creatures lurk in the darkness. When rescued from an attack by a Santoran tank, the time travellers discover they're facing a far more dangerous foe than the battle-hungry clones. This terrifying fight has been going on longer than anyone can remember, and shows no signs of stopping. With the TARDIS missing and their luck running thin, the Doctor and his friends' only hope of survival is to uncover the truth about what is happening on this planet. If they can discover the secret of the eternal battle, they might just survive. But it might just mean the end of them all. But of course it doesn't, it's a Doctor Who story. But anyway, the cast and crew, Tom Baker, of course, uh, plays the Doctor, Lala Ward-Romana, John Leeson K-9. John Banks plays Brennan and Trooper Vaughan. John Slavin plays Captain Nina Alberston and the Psycon Computer. And Dan Starkey plays Field Major Lenk and Sergeant Major Storm. Again, the story was directed by Nicholas Briggs. Uh, two writers this time, written by Gavin, Gavin Scott and Mark Wright. And again, was produced by David Richardson. So, um, I think that this is pretty much a good, typical Doctor Who story. And I think it's one that certainly belongs to the Tom Baker era. Uh, because when it comes down to it all, it's all because of a mad computer. And there was a, a mm. few of those stories that, that, that cropped up during the, the Tom Baker uh, era. So it feels very befitting. Uh, the Doctor, Romana, and K9 think they have arrived at England's Lake District because it's actually, uh, but it's actually uh, a far-flung planet towards the end of time, where Sontarans are fighting both humans and zombie Sontarans. Uh, because those who die in battle 
come back as zombies. And what's caused all this is Psycon um, artificial intelligence and the Psycon were an alien race opposed to war and aimed to academically study war to prove it is futile. So they had pockets of battles between Sontorans and humans in time bubbles so the battle could be constantly studied but something went terribly wrong. The Psycon themselves were wiped out in a war long ago, ironically. So their planet is their planet too is now just a desolate wasteland and the AI just follows its programming and let the battle continue. The AI resolves to shut down the time bubbles, destroying all within, uh, but at the end the Doctor convinces the AI to instead deactivate itself, saving the combatants within the bubbles. That's how you do science fiction. Yeah! Mad this, is the kind, this is the kind of premise that you would have seen through, through the decades in science fiction. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a very good science fiction premise as i said you know the whole thing about the you know the oh it's to do with the mad computer doctor who you know the, you know science fiction's done that loads of times uh it's it's a good solid staple there's nothing wrong with it uh and then this whole good cheap location just do it in the latest trick <laughs> <laughs> I... we all know it wouldn't have been on location though yeah okay so rob um did you like the story um yeah um, everything we've just spoke about the whole the whole war scenario mm-hmm. and the AI comes nearer to the end yeah um, but it was quite nice seeing the Doctor um, on the other side of the fight this time so he was alongside the Sontorans mm-hmm. yeah yeah and at, at the time um, were um exclusively the villain yeah and it's also nice having the Santorans. it's quite fitting having them in a story about time as well Mm -hmm. because their characters traditionally but also in the modern era um haven't been excluded from the time war you know and the, the, the like um they've got this connection there where they they want to be um Kind of meddling with things. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite fitting that they're in a story about, about time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nice to have another... Because in terms of the uh, televised stories, uh, Tom Baker encountered them twice. Um, you had the Santoran experiment and the invasion of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really like this story. In general, but I mean... I mean it, I mean, it shines even more when you compare it to the Beast of Kravenos, but I think the Eternal Battle is a really good, solid, well-told story. Um, so as we said, you know, the mad computer stuff, uh, you know, it, it, it's a good science fiction staple. All the stuff to do with the battle and the time bubbles and stuff. In some respects, it reminded me a, a bit of the premise of uh, Patrick Troughton's last story, The War Games. Um, yeah, that, that sprung to mind. Yeah. I thought the the atmosphere overall in the story was was really good. Uh, it never stops raining, for one thing. Um, mm. Just uh, just the use of sound. So not only do I think this is a good uh, story, but I also think that the uh, the the overall production is really good. You know, the, the the soundscape of the sounds that they use and the music and everything really draws you in um, to the story, and it, it's just really lovely to listen to. It's it's a nice audio story, and so it's sort of like this is how you do it. Um, 
so really good atmosphere and you mentioned you know they originally think that they've landed in the lake district and you know tom uh, the doctor wanting to visit you know the pencil museum and how pencils are yeah. important and all that that was quite nice i liked all the humor about that um so and that's another thing as well the humor in this story works damn it um it does uh you know and it, it's quite nice because it's it's quite a um thrilling story and to balance it out you know you've got these humorous moments which which does work um and the idea of having you know it has these ho- you know, these horror elements with you know you've got zombie humans and zombie Santarans. i mean that's a big reveal in the story of just going because the Santarans are fighting humans but they but they're fighting something else and they're being very shady about that and then of course it turns out that well really they're fighting their own kind they're fighting Santarans, but they're zombies, um, which is... And we're seeing both sides of it, because in all scenarios, everyone's fighting for a cause yeah. of, uh, in, in, in some respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's inter- interesting that we've got to see both sides of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it goes to the this existential question, you know, if you, if you repeat the cycle of war, um, will... Will we be able to overcome it at some point? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it. it yeah. And it, as you say, it, it it goes down that route, and you know, it it obviously has the you know war is to be be avoided theme, but I think the way that the message is woven into the story, I think it's it's very nicely written in. It's not um, it's not a message which is. Um, you know, screaming at you, and um, you know, to take you out the story. It's it's woven very well into the story, and I think it's 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 very nicely written. Um, mm. uh, and along with that, you've got some really great characters, and I think performed uh, brilliantly well. I mean, you have Dan Starkey, uh, who's been in the TV series. Uh, you know, he's played several characters, but he's played Santarans, and uh, having him yeah. come and play uh, Major Lenk and Major Storm. He gets yeah. a great performance, doesn't he? He does. Um, and he also is able to find a common ground with the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Or the other way around, rather. So that was a good dynamic, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I think uh, the way that, the again, Romana's using the story and her interactions with the Santarans, I think, is, is really nicely done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship that develops and what, you know, she's brought in to do. Um, the threats that she faces, but how she overcomes them. I think that's really great. Overall, I think this is a really good gripping story uh, with good characters, plenty of interaction. It has that wonderful balance, as I said, between the atmosphere, uh, the horror, the action-adventure moments, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then leading up to the, you know, the Doctor convincing the AI to uh, de- deactivate itself th- through using logic, Um yeah, which again reminded me of uh, you know a few other Tom Baker stories. Uh, funny enough, Sharda, in particular, because right. uh, there's a bit. Uh, didn't didn't uh, didn't happen? In, didn't we do it in the invasion as well? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, Log- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Good old logic problem. Yes, would that work? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when um, I, I sent you a video, but when me and Matt went to Yo Sushi, um, there was a robot circle in the restaurant oh right yes uh i don't know if you go into town more than me robots are a more common thing now <laughs> it's the first time i encountered in a restaurant and no new to me you know, we were we 
we were waiting to be seated mm-hmm. and there was uh, an elderly or disabled person in a mobility scooter and the robot was telling them to get out of the way. Mm. Kind of. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was just sitting in the restaurant and um, just waiting for your... Pl- wanting to collect your plates um, with some um, very expressive eyes and a chirpy voice. And Yeah, I was like, well, no, I'm not done. <laughs> Can't have my plates. Yeah. And then I tried, I, I, I gave it some of my plates and then it buggered off and didn't take the rest. It's a stuff of bloody um, nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's forcing you to eat and sod off and telling disabled people to get out of the way. No, I don't like the sound of that. Sounds awful. <laughs> Sounds a bit too human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you showed me the video of that. No, um, robots aren't a... Uh, yeah, it's the first time I've, I've seen that. Um, right, okay. So, another... Uh, is there anything else you want to say about the eternal battle? No. Um, apart from the fact that if I wanted to pass an hour, I'd probably stick it on again one day. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely more than have. Yeah, so again, this is a, a two-part uh, story, each lasting about 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I definitely want to listen to this one again I, very easily. Yeah, it did also leave um, the Santaran... Um, by himself in a new future. Is that right? So he was like the last Santaran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also the title of a Sarah Jane Adventures episode. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Have you got any final thoughts or or more extensive thoughts? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, this is the thing. It's It's been surprisingly um, a lot more straightforward reviewing these... Bit embarrassingly so, actually. I think we get too bogged down, you know, and scene by scene. Yeah, with the, the televised. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just overall, I thought the the eternal. Just bat- stop, stop making notes. <laughs> I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought the the eternal back was a very good, well told uh, story all round, and I will more than happily listen to it. So the eternal battle is definitely a big Finnish audio adventure. I will highly recommend. And for anyone interested, are they just standalone stories in the Fourth Doctor's run, or, or are they part of a box set? No, these ones uh, these ones are separate. L- there are some uh, a little bit later on, uh, which we'll be looking at, which are part of a box set. Um, yeah. But these ones are separate. Right. I'll be interested to know when we get to them, if you like the box set format, because... Um, in a box set, we you get you get like four stories, which could be um, they could be forty minutes long, they could be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So time wise, it hasn't been an issue. But um, how they tackle an overall story in a season of you know, I think it uh, it works quite well occasionally. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, for, uh, what's your conclusion in score? Um, was good, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, obviously, like <clears throat> there's probably better stories out there. Uh, I wouldn't remark it as oh, that's my all-time favorite audio, but mm-hmm. uh, it was really good. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, um, in its own simple way. You know, it was two half-hour stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree with that. So, um, Beast of Cravenos, uh, don't bother with. 
uh, it's a big pile of crap. Uh, but the Eternal Battle, on the other hand, is the complete opposite in a really good, well, ent- uh, incredibly entertaining, uh, well-told story. Um, that- we did ask for listener feedback, and we did not get any. No, we, no, no. So we we didn't bother doing a poll either. No, no, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we uh, there were a couple of calls for listeners' responses, but I'm assuming not many people have listened to the Battle of Kravenos and the Eternal Battle. Well, you know what? I just said, just. Say something about the fourth doctor in general, and nobody said anything. So. Well, actually, we did get one response, but that was to do with biscuits, wasn't did it? Did we? Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just you know the fourth doctor. I don't think the fourth doctor would dunk biscuits. It always comes down to biscuits. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> that old cake. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> so that's the beast of Kravenos and the Eternal Battle. Um, surprisingly short reviews, but there you are. Um, so, Rob, um, so, so so listeners, what we're doing is um, we're splitting this up. So, the 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 podcast where I'll be the main host, that's uh, where we'll be looking at the season eighteen stuff. So that's both the big finish and the televised adventures. So, um, what we're doing next week, Rob? Oh, next week. Uh, well, we were going to be looking at the Legend of the Sea Devils. <laughs> But you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna scrap that for the moment. It can wait. <laughs> yeah, it's not that important. Yeah. Uh, Move aside. I still haven't watched so... it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so uh, we approached one of our lovely patrons, Sonia, mm-hmm. and she's recommended that we look at Time Heist, which is a twelfth Doctor story from his first his first run of stories, Series Eight. Yeah. Haven't watched it in years, so I wonder if I like it. No, I haven't watched it in years either. I, I think I remember an awful lot about it actually, um, mm. but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to, to reviewing that one. Yeah. So yep, next week's dedicated to Sonia and a bit about Typeface too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and then after that, are we returning to the expanded season eight anthology run? Uh, yes, so um, for that we will be looking at uh, two big again two big finish audio adventures. So they are the Silent Scream and Deathras. Ah, okay. Um, the previous episode was our one hundredth, mm-hmm. so we had some guests on, and we discussed the Doctor Who television movie. So if anyone hasn't listened to that, go check that out. Have you listened to the released version, Liam? Did you check out the the intro and stuff? No, not yet, but I will do. Uh, the only reason okay. being is because uh, we ended up having uh, the conversation about the TV movie uh, two, three times. Uh, so. Yeah, listen to it, understand why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we also have a bonus episode out now, which is with Matt. It was recorded after the 100th episode, and it's Tea and Biscuits in the Cloister Room, part one. Uh, part two will be landing sometime in a week or so, mm-hmm. I think. And we've got Mark Cockrum joining us for that one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is a bonus episode over on Patreon for all of our supporters. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, if you want a bit more of us um, and you'd like to support the podcast and get extra stuff, um, do go check that out. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, Liam, I was doing bonus episodes about Doctor Who Redacted, but I've kind of fell behind a bit, so I think I'm two or three weeks behind now. No, no, that's fine. 
So I think I'm going to have to do a... I don't know. Yeah, do a bit of a catch-up on that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. No, it's, <laughs> it's you know what? I've started, so I'll finish. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you do it, so uh, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, what's, up, what's up next? Is that the the night over with, or you got any more to talk about? Uh, no, <laughs> no. I think that's uh, that that's all for now. So Brilliant. until next time, where we'll be reviewing Time Heist. Uh, that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no.